You know, as we start this series, I was trying to think about the foundation, kind of laying the foundation, and uh, thought we'd have a little bit of fun, see how many of us are experts when it comes to love songs. How many of you have a song? You know what I mean? It kind of, maybe it was your wedding song or when it comes on the radio or you've got, uh, you know, on your iPhone or whatever, you listen to it. How many of you, anybody have like a song and it's kind of you guys? So let's see. We're going to take out a pencil, paper, pen, whatever, mascara, lipstick, whatever you write with, okay? And then <clears throat> take out the programmer outline, number to five, number to five. And we're going to give you, the band's going to play the song, and then I want you to write down, don't yell it out, but write down the name of the song and the movie in which it was a part of, okay? Name of the love song and then the romantic movie that it was a part of. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, we can be more excited than that, right? Are we ready? Yeah. All right. Here's the first one. the second one. How many of you have got the first two? Name of the song and the movie it's a part of. All right, lots of you. You ready for number three? Here we go. two more to go. The name of the song and then the movie that it was a part of. This is number four.
Are you ready for the last one? Have we played your song yet? Anybody's song here? All right, I think they maybe caught their breath. You ready? Last one, here we go. Give it up for the band. Give it up for the band. Let's see how you did. All right. Song number one, My Heart Will Go On. From what movie? Titanic. Titanic. You are correct. Number two, The Time of My Life. From what movie? That's right. Now, Potential Church does not recommend any of these movies. All right. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Uh, number three, it must have been love from what movie? Pretty Woman, that's right. Number four, Unchained Medley from, or Melody from who? Ghost. And then the last one, I will always love you, Bodyguard. And who sang it? <laughs> Whitney Houston. How many of you got all five right? All right, let's give a hand for our romantic music lovers. All right, you know, as I was thinking this week, where do we start? We're going to talk about relationships, and we're, uh, over the next few weeks, Steph's going to help me one weekend. We're going to talk about marriage, talk about dating, talk about sexual intimacy, talk about parenting, we're going to do the parenting seminar and stuff. So there are a lot of different things that we're going to talk about, but where do we begin? And I think there is one thing that all good relationships have in common, okay? And whether it be a husband and wife, or two people dating, or parents and kids, or employer and employee, or best friends, that there's one thing every good relationship has in common. And if you want to pull out that outline so that you can write it down, I think that one thing is honor, all right? The one thing that every good relationship has in common is honor. And I want to show you right out of the scripture, okay? In Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, it says this. Let's look at it. And this is the expanded edition, kind of like the amplified version of the Bible. It says, love or be devoted to each other, right? Give each other more what? Yeah, more honor than you want for yourselves. Or you could say it this way. Outdo one another in showing what? In showing honor or be eager to show what? Honor to one another. 
So when you think about this passage of Scripture, and it's trying to help us have better relationships, be better parents or better kids or better spouses or better, you know, when, in dating relationships, he says, here's the, you got to honor. The one thing that every good relationship has is honor. Well, what does it mean? Because I think if, you were, if I were to ask you, do you honor your friends or do you honor your parents? Most of us, I think, would say, yeah, man, I feel like I do. What does it mean to honor? Well, if we go back, it means to give value to or to lift up. That's what honor means. So when he's talking about honoring, he's talking about giving value to or lifting up. We all probably have heard it one time or another. You know, the, the, in the top 10 commandments, one of them is to honor your parents. Well, what does that mean? It means to lift your parents up. It means to give value to your parents. And when you think about giving value, I mean, how do we practically get a handle on that? And, and I found this picture I want to show you. It's a picture of a purse, okay? And it's a designer brand. Anybody know what brand that is? Yeah, it's a Louis Vuitton. And that purse, I think, cost $2,276, something like that. And, it, and the question is, is like, where did it get that value? All right, it's made out of coded canvas. And let me show you another purse that's made out of coded canvas. This purse came from Walmart, and it cost $122, okay? Now, it's made out of the same stuff, but the value is not the same. And if you go back to the Louis Vuitton purse, that purse has so much value because the manufacturer gave it to them. In other words, they set the price. Now, we get to determine whether or not we want to pay the price or anything like that. But understand, the manufacturer said that purse is worth this much, and it gave it that value. And as a result of it having that value, it gets treated differently than something with less value. If you buy um, this purse, or I guess a purse like it, it doesn't, you don't just get the purse like the Walmart purse. You, you get a little dusty thing to put it in, I guess, you know, to keep it from getting dusty. And you get a nice, big, heavy box. And if you walk into the store, they treat you nice and give you coffee and all those different kinds of, different kinds of things because it has value. And that value determines or affects the behavior towards it. The manufacturer said, here's the value. Well, honor is the same thing. You and I look at our spouse or we look at our kids or we look at our parents and we give them value. And the value we give them is not just, you know, the words out of our mouth, but the way in which we respond, the way in which we react to one another. Honor is not just something that we claim to do. Honor affects the way that we live our lives. When something has value, it affects the way that you handle it. Those are two purses, and they're made out of similar uh, coated canvas, but they're treated completely different because one has a greater value, and that value was given to it by the manufacturer, and then it was agreed with by those who purchase something like that. Well, that's what honor is. Honor is when we give value to something, but not just give value to something. It's also when we lift up. 
And you think about that when we lift up. If you go with me to Psalm 40, look at what David says. He says, I've waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. And he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you're just in the pit of despair? Life is pushing you down. I mean, it's difficult, it's overwhelming, it's a struggle. You know, when you're in mud, it just kind of slows you down. It makes every step that you take difficult. And that's what David is saying. He's saying, man, I find myself in this pit of despair. I'm stuck in the mud. But God, he lifted me up. He set my feet on solid ground. That's what honor is. Honor lifts uh, one another up. Lifts our spouse up. And again, I was thinking about how do we, how do we uh, uh, apply this in our, in our own lives? And I've got this handy-dandy wedding chair here. And if I bring it down here and I set it up, all right. And then, sir, what's your name? Nelson. Nelson, nice to meet you. Can you guys give Nelson a hand here? All right, so Nelson, if I could invite you to come right here, all right? So now here's, here's, here's what the word honor. If I'm going to honor Nelson in just a moment, I'm going to lift you up on this chair, all right? Now, I'm not going to pick you up. I'm just going to kind of help you get up there, all right? All right, so if I grab your hand here, and if you'll stand up there on that chair. Now, that's what honor is. Now, he has a different perspective, right? He looks at the world completely different. Why? Because he's been honored. He's been lifted up. He sees things differently. If he feels things differently, he would live his life differently. He would operate differently all because he was lifted up. This is what it means to honor a spouse or to honor a child or to honor an employer. It's to lift them up. It's to pick them up so that they can see the world in a totally different way. That's what honor is. In every good relationship, every good relationship has honor. All right, Nelson, I'll help you down here. Can you give Nelson a hand? All right. Thanks so much for helping me. All right. Now, how do we, how do we have that in our lives? Because I think we live in a world that doesn't have a lot of honor. I think we live in a world would rather than lift one another up, we're pushing one another down. Because I want to get up here, right? And so I'm going to push you down. I'm going to fight you so that I can be on top, so that I can win, so that I can be the best, so that I can have the most money, so that I can have the nicest house, so that I can have the, 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 you know, the best this. Or the, and so rather than lifting one another up, we tend to push one another down. Rather than giving one another value, we tend to devalue those around us. So how can we truly add honor um, to our relationships? I think there are two characteristics that make up the foundation of honor. If you don't have these two characteristics, you cannot honor. And if you can't honor, you can't have the relationship that you so desire to have. You got to understand the principles in Scripture. You can't will yourself to a good marriage. A lot of people just want to have a good marriage, and they say, okay, we're going to have, but if you don't apply these principles, then you won't have what you desire. Same is true with children. 
You can't just say, well, I'm going to be a good parent. No, no, you have to apply the biblical principles which will give you the biblical promise of your kids. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from that. And there are many other promises that are found there. It's kind of like this. You cannot eat brownies and lose weight. You can't do it. It doesn't matter what Marie Osmond says, okay? You can't eat brownies and lose weight. There's a principle there. And the same thing is true with biblical principles. So let me give you what the foundation, these characteristics. Here's the first one. It's humility. Humility. Humility is the characteristic that gives us the foundation so that we can honor the different people in our lives. Humility is the result of you and I having the right view of ourself. That's what it says in your outline, and then you might write this in, before God. Humility is when I see myself in the right perspective before God. It's, and, and really it's this, humility is a question of priority. What is top priority in your life? Is it you or is it God? Rick Warren in his book, Purpose Driven Life, which has sold more copies than any book that has ever been uh, written other than the Bible. And at the very beginning, he says, it's not about you. John the Baptist writes in John chapter 3 and verse 30, he says, he must, God, he must become more important and I must become less important because there is this tendency, there is this temptation in all of us to lift ourselves up, for all of us to fight to get on top. We want to be the ones up here. And so there's this temptation to do that rather than God to be number one in our lives. Jeremiah alludes to this. Look at what he says. Let not a wise man speak with pride about his wisdom. Let not a strong man speak about his strength. Let not a rich person speak about their wealth or their riches. But if you're going to speak with pride, speak about that he understands and knows me, knows God, that I am the Lord. In other words, if you're going to brag about anything, brag about who God is in your life. I wrote this, I don't know if I put it in your notes, but I, I wrote it in mine. Humility is to honor what pride is to dishonor. Humility is to honor what pride is to dishonor. See, very few people would describe themselves as arrogant. If I were to ask how many of us are humble, most of us would say, you know, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm a pretty humble person. So how do we determine it? How do we discover arrogance in our own life? It's a question of priority. Arrogance is simply God not being priority. If God's not priority in my life, then I am arrogant. Because that simply means that I am therefore trying to lift myself up. And if I'm trying to lift myself up, guess what? I'm not going to lift you up because you are my competition. That's why in 1 Peter, look at what it says. It says, so humble yourself. What, what does that mean, humble yourself? Simply means make God priority. How do you humble yourself? God becomes priority, which is a decision that's made. 
God doesn't jump to priority in your life. He will not force himself to be priority in his, your life or my life. He will allow me to decide that. That's why the scripture says, so therefore humble, make the decision that God will be priority in your life. Why? Under the mighty power of God. So you humble yourself. You put yourself under him. Therefore, he is over me. He's priority in my life. And then at the right time, he will do what? Lift you up in what? In honor. So when God is priority in my life, now I find myself humble and in my humility knowing that at the right time, God's going to lift me up. And if God lifts me up, he will keep me up. But see, if God's not priority in my life, there's no other choice than I am priority in my life. And as the priority of my life, my goal is to get on top. My goal is to be in charge. My goal is to win. My goal is to succeed. And if I'm a self-made man, then I'm going to have to keep myself up here. So I in no way can honor you. I can't lift you up. I can't give you value. I'm too busy giving it all that I've got to get here myself. But when I humble myself and God becomes priority, now guess what? I can lift you up because I'm not your competition. You're not my competition. You're not the one that's going to get me here. God is in due time. And so there's no way to give honor unless we find ourselves humble. And humility is simply the reality of God being priority in our lives. Now, one of the most challenging things of being a pastor is I want you to win. I mean, that, that, that's why Potential Church is here. You know, it's our vision. It's, I think, why God tapped me on the shoulder to be a pastor. It wasn't my plan. I want you to win, but in order for you to win, you have and I have to be challenged. Because I know my tendency is to make the assumption God's priority. But if it's just an assumption and not reality, here's what it means. I just have an assumed humility, not a real humility. And therefore, I'm going to have a, a fake value. It's kind of like a, a, a fake designer purse. It looks like the real thing, but it's not worth the same amount of money. So, and here, here's what I was thinking. You know, last week, one, last weekend, one of the things we did at all of our campuses is we honored, I think we gave like uh, close parking or something like that to everyone who was here for every weekend of the last series, five week, I think it's five weekends. And out of the thousands of people who come to Potential Church, we gave out less than 300 of those. So somewhere along the line, he wasn't priority. Now you can argue with me on that, and I'm sure we all have good reasons, and we all have good excuses, and some of you may have been saying, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. What, I'm wanting to say, what I just want you and me to understand is there is a reality of whether or not he's priority. And it's not because you say he is. It's because we live as if he were. When you think about our faithfulness to his house, this, that, that's, that's what he says. He died for this place, the church. Not the building, but the people. 
when you think about um, what you do with your money and all of those things. They're all revealing what's priority. Now, you have to wrestle with that. I have to wrestle with that in my life. But it's important that you wrestle because if you just dismiss it and just assume that you are humble, God, without real humility, you will never have true honor. And without real honor, you will never have the great relationships that Jesus came and put on skin in order for you to have. And I think that there's no greater way in the, uh, for you and I to impact the world for good than for us to truly have great relationships because the world's looking for that. Not just you and I saying we have great marriages, but truly having great marriages. Not perfect, but great. Having great relationships with our children. Having great relationships with our friends. And the scripture says that we can, but we have to apply what the Bible says, which is a foundation of humility. Here's the second one. Is a foundation, uh, security. We have to be secure. And security is when we, is the result of our right view of God, that's what your outline says, and, but you can add to it, God's love for you. So the right view of God's, God's love for you. Jesus was able to honor those who were dishonored in the New Testament. Jesus gave value to, he lifted up, for example, uh, women. Women were dishonored during this time period in history in a big way, they were pushed down all the time they were dismissed and Jesus comes on the scene and on several occasions he lifts them up why was he able to do what others weren't those with diseases who were pushed outside of the community those with diseases who were forgotten about Jesus was able to reach out to them lift them up and give them value why was he able to do that I think there's a hint in Matthew chapter 3, after Jesus is baptized, look at what it says. It says, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling upon him. And this voice from heaven said, this is my dearly, what's this word? Loved son, who brings me what? Great joy. So Jesus was incredibly secure in the love of his father. And as a result, that security allowed him to be able to honor, to lift up. We live in a world where it's very easy to see our world hungers for value, doesn't it? Just go, isn't that really what social media is all about? Right? I mean, what, I mean right? I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, isn't social media really about our effort, yours and mine, to be valued? Right? I mean, if you go and you're like, Did you, you see how many followers I've got? Why do they put a number there? Because whatever that number is, it, it gives you value, right? Who's more important? The person has 50 followers? Bless your heart. <laughs> right? Or the person that has, you know, 50,000 followers. Right? Why, why is there a hunger for that? It's because it gives me value. It makes me um, feel better about myself. It lifts me up because I've got so many followers or I've got so many retweets or I've got so many comments. And, and then really that, when you think about like a selfie with a celebrity, why, why is that such a big deal to take a selfie with a celebrity? 
It's because we want you to know that we were with that person. And why do we want you to know that we were with that person? Because that gives me what? Value. I was and you weren't. And can I tell you, we preachers, are, we're, we're the worst. Because preachers, here's what we do, is that we'll take a selfie, you know, because we have, preachers have their own little world. So, you know, famous preacher like T.D. Jakes or Joel Osteen, something like that. We'll take a picture and then we'll send it out on Instagram and it'll say, um, studying the Bible with Pastor Joel. All right? As if we're trying to inspire you to study the Bible. When in reality, what we're saying is, I know this person, so I'm important. Leave a comment. Tell me how important I am. All right? I'm not saying that stuff is bad. I'm saying it's revealing. We all have a hunger to be valued. And if we're not secure in our value, we will not value others. We will not honor others. Insecurity always leads to devaluing. Why? Because you're pushing to get up on the chair yourself. Pushing your spouse out of the way. Pushing your kids out of the way. Because you, you, you don't feel worthy. And you've got to get on the chair so you can feel valued. Because there's an innate desire in all of us. To feel valued. I, I wish that we could just embrace what Romans 8 says, which is simply this. You, you, can, you can read that whole thing, and it simply says this. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. That he will never leave you, and that he will never forsake you. That the all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at one time God put on skin, came to planet earth, died on a cross, and resurrected on the third day because he loves you. You are valued. You are priority in the creator's life. You are. You can't ever be separated from his love. And when you and I embrace that, it then allows us in that security to love one another. Isn't that what it says in 1 John? It says, we love each other. Why? Because he first loved us. So until you are secure, you can't honor. And if you can't honor, you will not have a lasting good relationship. Breaks my heart when I talk to, 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 to parents and they're like, well, we're staying together for the kids. You don't have to stay together for the kids. You can have a great marriage. But you have to apply the biblical principles. He has to be priority so that you can be humble and you have to embrace his love so that you can experience security. What's the impact? And how do you know when you're honoring or where do you see honor bleed out of your life? It's in your words. The impact of honor is our mouth. It's our words. The scripture says that our words reveal our heart. The way in which we talk to one another. We tend to downplay our words. We tend to say things like, well, I was just angry. I was just tired. I didn't really mean it. The Bible says just the opposite. No, 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 no. When you're squeezed, who you really are is what comes out. 
See, when things are going well, it's easy to pretend to be who you desire to be. But when things get difficult, who we really are is who comes out. And it is our words that reveal our humility and our security because it is with our words that we honor. It's in our, with our words that we lift one another up. It's with our words that we give value or we take value. I mean, think about your words in the vehicle on the way here. Did your words build up? Did your words give value? Did your words lift up? Your words to your spouse or to the person you're dating or to your children or to your parents or to your friends. What about this week? I mean, here's what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter four. It says, don't give the enemy or the devil an opportunity, an opportunity to do what? Rob from you the community or the relationship that Jesus died so that you could have. You must let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Have you? Have I? Because that is a revelation of my honoring or dishonoring. Don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for building up the one in need. Who's the one in need? It's that one that's in the pit of despair, that one that's stuck in the mud, that one that needs to be lifted up. It says, let your words, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, put away all the bitterness and anger and the wrath and the quarreling. It says it's about our, our words. It's amazing what you hear <laughs> in the way in which we speak to one another, isn't it? I'll walk our dog, Charlie, out on the sidewalk on the beach sometimes, and you just listen to, to people who, and they're as they, how they talk to one another. Or parents, the way they talk to their kids. Or, or children, the way they talk to their parents. And we think that that doesn't matter. It's just words. And yet the scripture says that that is exactly what's robbing you of the relationship you so desire because it's revealing your inability to honor one another. Your humility and your security. Well, I don't know which of those is broken in my life or yours. But it is seen uh, in our words. I can always tell how I'm doing with my honor, because in Luke chapter six and verse 27, it says this, that we're to love our enemies. Anybody here have enemies? Let me see your hand. How many of you got enemies? You're sitting beside them, all right? <laughs> right, you got enemies. And the Bible says to love your enemy. Here's what I, here's what I wrote, because I was thinking about this this week. When I am secure, I can honor the good in my enemies. When I feel secure in God's love, when I feel loved by the creator of the universe, and I know that I have value because God came to earth and put on skin for me. When I am secure, I can honor the good in my enemies. But when I am insecure, I feel that if I find something good about my enemies, well, that validates what they're saying about me to other people. In other words, when I feel insecure, I cannot honor or say something good about my enemies because I'm afraid that you will hear what my enemy is saying and believe it, and therefore, it will keep me from getting to where I desire to go. 
But when I'm secure in his love, I'm able to say something good even about my enemies because I realize it is ultimately he who is going to get me there. And it is that security that allows me to express something that seems impossible. And if I can love my enemies, then what kind of relationship can I have with my wife or my kids? The truth is, is that the Apostle Matthew said, that in the same way, or that we freely receive, we should freely give. God's given us honor. He's lifted us up. And he's given us value. You and I are so valuable that he died for us. And what we have received freely, Matthew says, then we ought to give. And I want to give you an opportunity today to do that. And I thought this week, how do I do that? How do I give you an opportunity to do what Philippians 2 says? It says, and when you do things, do not let selfish rivalry or selfish ambition, the pride, uh, don't let those things be your guide. Don't be pushing people down. Don't be trying to, to lift yourself up. He says, be humble and give more honor, value to others than you do to yourself. How can you do that? How can we do that? And I thought, well, you know what? As crazy as it sounds, we can do that in one another's life the same way that I did it a few moments ago. And so if there's someone here that God has kind of nudged your heart to honor, turn that down just a little bit, that God uh, nudged your heart to honor, maybe because it's someone that you have dishonored. You know that the communication between you and your children or you and your spouse or you and your person you're doing ministry with or you and your friend, you know that it's been dishonoring and you need to rectify that. Or maybe it's somebody that God has nudged your heart to lift up and you just haven't gotten around to it. You, you, you see them maybe every week and you know that God's just gonna say, hey, you need to go encourage them. You need to lift them up. You need to honor them. You need to give them some value. Let them know that what they do is important and you just hadn't gotten around to it. I want to give you an opportunity today to do that. And the way in which we're going to do that, a little crazy, a little wacky, but it's a way in which for us outwardly to symbolically begin something today is that I'm going to pray for us because it always takes courage to respond on the outside to what God's wanting to do on the inside. And at the end of that prayer, if you're here, and God's kind of nudged your heart, I want you to go to that person. They may be on the other side. They may be in the balcony. They may be sitting right beside you. And I want you to ask them, can I honor you? And maybe you grab them by the hand or put your arm around their shoulder. May I honor you? And I want to challenge those of you who get asked, allow yourself to be honored. So many times we feel unworthy to be honored. But honor is not about perfection. It's about what that other person wants to give to you. It's a gift. So they're going to come, or you're going to go to them, and you're going to ask them, may I honor you? And if they allow that to happen, then I want you to go to one of these locations, and the folks that are helping are going to go to those locations. And there are some chairs there just like this, okay? Just some old wedding chairs. And I want you to grab one of those together, just one, and you're going to bring it somewhere up here to the front, and you're going to put the back towards me. And then a little bit later, all together, because I don't want anybody falling or freaking out, all right, 
all together, you're going to lift, you're going to help that person up on that chair. And they're going to uncomfortably stand on that chair so that we can nail down this weekend that this relationship is, is, is going to be an honoring one. I'm going to lift you up. So whether it's someone that is in your family, whether it's someone who's a friend, whether it's someone that you don't know, but God's just nudged your heart and you've yet to kind of step into their life and lift them up. I'm going to ask you to be, be obedient, to have the courage to respond. So you ask the person, go get a chair, set it down with the back towards the, the, the front here, and then at the end of the song, we will honor those together. So would you bow your head? And I'm going to pray for courage. If you're in the balcony, there's time. If you're on the floor, there's time. I know it's crazy, but it has the capacity to make an incredible difference when you and I humble ourselves enough to lift people up in our lives. So, Father, I pray that the enemy would be defeated. And I pray that we would honor those that right now you're nudging our hearts to honor. And I pray that as a result, you would be glorified and our relationships would be incredible. In Jesus' name, let's stand and let's respond as we sing.